Vyavasita known Sakala Ho Jagat of the universe Abhiprayaha by whom the ultimate purpose Atma the Supreme Self Yonihi whose source of birth Akila all Nigama by the Vedas Nijagana by personal associates Pariveshtitaha being surrounded Swabhavanat from his own abode Avatattara descended translation Sri Shukadeva Goswami continued the first created being and most powerful demigod in the universe is Lord Brahma who is always responsible for developing universal affairs born directly from the supreme personality of Godhead he dedicates his activities to the welfare of the entire universe for he knows the purpose of the universal creation. This supremely powerful Lord Brahma, accompanied by his associates and the personified Vedas, left his own abode in the highest planetary system and descended to the place of Prince Priyavrata's meditation. You could say after me. Sri Sugadev Goswami continued. The first created being and most powerful demigod in this universe is Lord Brahma, who is always responsible for developing universal affairs. Born directly from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he dedicates his activities to the welfare of the entire universe. For he knows the purpose of the universal creation. The supremely powerful Lord Brahma, accompanied by his associates in the personified Vedas, left his own abode in the highest planetary system and descended to the place of Prince Priyavrata's meditation. Srila Prabhupada's purport. Lord Vishnu, the Supreme Self, Atma, is the source of everything, as explained in the Vedanta Sutra, Janmadhyasya Yataha, because Brahma was born directly from Lord Vishnu. He is called Atma Yoni. He is also called Bhagavan, although generally Bhagavan refers to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vishnu, or Lord Krishna. Sometimes great personalities, such as demigods like Lord Brahma, Narada, or Lord Shiva, are also addressed as Bhagavan because they carry out the purpose of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Lord Brahma is called Bhagavan because he is the secondary creator of this universe 
He is always thinking of how to improve the situation of the conditioned souls who have come to the, this, the material world to enjoy material activities. For this reason, he disseminates the Vedic knowledge throughout the universe for everyone's guidance. Vedic knowledge is divided into two parts, pravritti marga and nivritti marga. Nivritti marga is the path of negating sense enjoyment, and pravritti marga is the path by which the living entities are given a chance to enjoy and at the same time are directed in such a way that they can go back home, back to Godhead. Because ruling over this universe is a great responsibility, Brahma must force many Manus in different ages to take charge of universal affairs. Under each Manu there are different kings who also execute the purpose of Lord Brahma. It is understood from previous explanations that the father of Dhruva Maharaj, King Uttanapada, ruled over this universe because his elder brother, Priyavrata, practiced austerity from the very beginning of his life. Thus, up to the point of the Prachetas, the kings of the universe were all descendants of Uttanapada, Maharaj. Since there were no suitable kings after the Prachetas, Swayambhuvamanu went to the Gandhamadhara hill to bring back his elder son, Priyavrata, eldest son, Priyavrata, who was meditating there. Swayambhuvamanu requested Priyavrata to rule over the universe. When he refused, Lord Brahma descended from the supreme planetary system known as Satyaloka to request Priyavrata to accept the order. Lord Brahma did not come alone. He came with the other great sages like Marichi, Atreya, and Vashishta to convince Priyavrata that it was necessary for him to follow the Vedic injunctions and accept the responsibility of ruling over the world Lord Brahma also brought with him the personified Vedas, his constant associates. A significant word in this verse is Swabhavanat, indicating that Lord Brahma descended from his own abode. Every demigod has his own abode. Indra, the king of the demigods, has his own abode, as do Chandra, the lord of the moon planet, and Sura, the predominating deity of the sun planet. There are many millions of demigods and the stars and planets are their respective homes. This is confirmed in Bhagavad Gita. Yanti Deva Vratta Devan Those who worship the demigods go to their different planetary systems. Lord Brahma's abode, the highest planetary system, is called Satyaloka or sometimes Brahmaloka. Brahmaloka usually refers to the spiritual world. The abode of Lord Brahma is such a loka, but because Lord Brahma resides there, it is also sometimes called Brahma Loka. So I'll read the text again in translation. Sri Shukadeva Goswami continued, 
The first created being and most powerful demigod in this universe is Lord Brahma, who is always responsible for developing universal affairs. Born directly from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he dedicates his activities to the welfare of the entire universe, for he knows the purpose of the universal creation. This supremely powerful Lord Brahma, accompanied by his associates in the personified Vedas, left his own abode in the highest planetary system and descended to the place of Prince Priyavrata's meditation. So here we have in this uh, developing story uh, Prince Priyavrata being put into a delicate uh, situation, a dilemma, where he's receiving contradictory instructions from uh, uh, authorities. So we understand earlier uh, there were two sons of Swayambhuvamanu, Priyavrata and Nutanapada. And who was Swayambhuvamanu's father? Brahma himself, right. Uh, so Brahma produced Swayambhuvamanu, uh, first Manu in creation. Uh, and so this was the system of universal government of uh, Manus in every day of Brahma. Uh, they're supposed to be um, 14, 14 manus? 14 manus. Uh, and they're a kind of a universal monarch. And for the well regulation of the whole system of the universe, the, the system has to go on. Uh, so after uh, quite a few generations down from uh, Uttanapada, Priyavrata, although the elder son, under the instruction of Narada Muni, he took to meditation and austerity and didn't take up the uh, business of being a king, although that Swayambhuvamanu, that was a royal line, uh, he didn't uh, do that, engage in any family life or any worldly affairs. So he retired, and his younger brother, Uttanapada, then had. Uh, Dhruva his son and then Dhruva had so many and then finally way down the line after even after uh, 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 Prithu we get the Prachetas and so on so now uh, all of a sudden they run out of candidates uh, for the position of Manu So Swayambhuvamanu went back to his older son, who was still meditating, and said, Okay, now it's your turn. I would like you to come and take up this management position in the universe. And, uh, but um, the Priyavrata was perfectly happy. He was cultivating his spiritual life. And he saw this as a danger uh, to his uh, spiritual cultivation, this business of getting involved in all these uh, affairs have to count money and so on, uh, manage the effort. So, Swayambhuvamanu decided he needed reinforcements. After all, uh, Priyavrata was acting under no small authority. 
Narada Muni. So here reinforcements come in state. Notice this is really, <laughs> you're going to see that, that uh, no less than uh, uh, four uh, 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 Mahajans are going to be there at this time. Finally, Swayambhuvamanus, Mahajan, Brahma, Mahajan, Lord Shiva, who's with Brahma, he's Mahajan, and Narada Rishi is also there, he's Mahajan. Uh, so these are uh, these big great authorities are all of yeah, this is an important event. So here Brahman is descending in state. And just to impress upon uh, Priyavrata his authority, he is surrounded by the personified Vedas. That what you're going to get from Brahma is no small uh, uh, opinion to be brushed aside. Even it might be considered outweigh Narada Muni, who's also son of Brahma. Anyway, and Brahma is also Narada Muni's spiritual master. Uh, that's our sampradaya, Brahma, Narada, Vyas. Uh, so Narada Muni, he's also uh, instructed spiritually from Brahma. Brahma from Krishna. This is the disciplic succession. So Brahma, as it comes clear from this verse, has more than just the simple duty of managing the mode of passion and creating the universe, but also he has another... Uh, uh, always thinking of the welfare of the universe. So Brahma is engaged in, a, in spiritual welfare work also. So this is his preoccupation. And so, two things are there. How to improve, it says here, trying to think how to improve the situation of the conditioned souls who have come to the material world to enjoy material activities. It says, for this reason he disseminates the Vedic knowledge throughout the universe for everyone's guidance. Brahma, first of all, he's the engineer uh, deity. But he's, he's called Veda Garba. That is, he's impregnated with Vedic knowledge. And you see in his hand he always has a book which signifies his possession of the Vedas. Without the Vedas he couldn't create the universe. It's the Logos. It's this uh, seminal creative knowledge by which everything is made. And then also, because the purpose of the universe is to liberate the fallen souls Therefore, Brahma personally also heads up, at least at this t universe and at this time, a uh, reclamation party for saving the conditioned souls. He has his own personal effort in addition to everything else, the Brahma Sampradaya. More about that later. And so he disseminates Vedic knowledge throughout the universe for everybody's guidance. So Prabhupada points out that this Vedic knowledge has got two divisions. Nivritti Marga, the path of renunciation of sense gratification, and Pravritti Marga, sense gratification, but regulated, and in such a way that being regulated, a person can also make spiritual advancement. So the Karma Kanda 
portion of the Vedas, uh, pious activity, householder life, economic development, all these things, or everything is regulated by the Vedas. That's necessary because only a minority of people take to Nivriti Marga. And uh, it's often seen that before a person can take to Nivriti Marga, they also have to practice for some time at least regulated uh, sense gratification. So that attraction is not spontaneous, but requires gradual cultivation, more and more becoming renounced. Just as the method of the four ashramas, uh, that allows uh, for some regulated sense gratification during grahasta life, but actually mandates that three-fourths of a man's life should be spent absorbed in spiritual activities, brahmacharya, vanaprastha, sannyas. And so this period of householder life, of reproduction and economic development, is bracketed on both sides uh, by renunciation. So that this puts a lid on the amount of uh, sense gratification that's allowed to develop. When sense gratification flourishes without restriction, then you get a runaway uh, civilization like we have now. And uh, the whole purpose of creation is defeated. It's just useless. Might as well be animals instead of human beings. So anyway, this is Brahma's business to see that the conditions for spiritual, material conditions for spiritual life have to be maintained. So therefore, people need to be engaged in some uh, difficult, tedious, uh, and sometimes a little bit dangerous work. So his preference here, Priyavrata's preference, may be a laudable preference. But as we shall see, uh, uh, it's uh, in a way partial, too. Actually, in another purport somewhere, Prabhupada talks about that devotional service is beyond both pravritti and nivritti marga. Pravritti marga, accepting sense objects for sense gratification, is a false position, but renouncing sense objects is also a false position, because they are neither ours to enjoy nor to renounce. Both the enjoying mood and the renouncing mood are... Uh, based on the premise of proprietorship. Prabhupada gives the example that if I walk into a bank and say, give me all this money, then I'm a thief. My position is false. And if I walk into the same bank and say, uh, I renounce all the money in this bank. I'm a fool. Because it was never mine to renounce. So actually, both these positions, pravritti and nivritti marga, are incomplete. And the actual position of a devotee is neither to uh, renounce the sense objects nor to enjoy them, but to employ them in the service of Krishna without being attached. That's the correct usages 
of uh, vishayan, of the objects of this world. And this will be, actually, this is the, uh, how it is, the answer, ultimate answer, how it is that Priyavrata is able to do this, to give up his extremely renounced position, engage in householder life, so much tedious duty, living in the lap of luxury as a king, and so on, and still go back home, back to Godhead, because he's a follower of the path of devotional service, being suitably instructed by Brahma. So this is also Brahma's business to uh, teach this uh, devotional service. So he has his own party, and Prabhupada comments on this in the second canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. In the ninth chapter of the second canto, it describes the, the primordial enlightenment of Lord Brahma. Brahma is given, endowed with spiritual knowledge by uh, the Lord. And then Brahma, that's also recounted in the pages of Srimad Bhagavatam, instructs Narada Muni. The Lord gives Brahma uh, all the knowledge of Srimad Bhagavatam in four verses kind of a condensed form. And then by understanding it, he is able to explain it to Narada, who expands it and explains it to Vyasadeva, who expands it more. And eventually it comes down. So this is down to us. This is our Sampradaya. So at this time, it describes here that Brahma, uh, having uh, come to consciousness, finds himself on the uh, lotus and sees all around him blackness, dar- darkness looks down the stem of the lotus and it disappears into the gloom below can't see where he's coming from so he climbs down the, the lotus stem and but there's somehow or other he can only go so far he can't find out he's looking for his origin his source where do I come from why am I here? So all he can see is he's sitting on this lotus and there's this stem going down so he manages to somehow or other get into that stem or on the stem and climb down. That'll solve the mystery. But he only can get so far. So then he's really baffled. And then he hears these sounds, these two syllables, ta-pa, ta-pa, which mean penance, austerity. Uh, so taking this as the order of the Supreme, as, as some kind of divine guidance, it's all he had to go on. He then performs for 1,000 celestial years severe austerities and penances. And then at the end of that, he his eyes are opened and he sees the Lord face to face. So at that time, it says, Lord Brahma, thus seeing the personality of Godhead in his fullness, was overwhelmed with joy within his heart, and thus in full transcendental love and ecstasy, his eyes filled with tears of love. He thus bowed down before the Lord, 
That is the way of the highest perfection for the living beings, the Paramahamsa. And seeing Brahma present before him, the Lord accepted him as worthy to create living beings, to be controlled as he desired. And thus being much satisfied with him, the Lord shook hands with Brahma and slightly smiling addressed him thus. The Sanskrit is Kadesh Prishan. It's Prishta, holding, grabbing, grabbing Brahma's hand. He's probably shaking hands, but grabbed his hands, held his hand. But that's what he did. He actually reached out and held up. He was so happy. So then, Prita uh, Mana, uh, being very much pleased. Prabhupada says here, the creation of the material world is not blind or accidental. This is where we're getting a little prehistory of creation. Uh, pre-creation history. Because Brahma hasn't created the universe yet. So this is all uh, leading up to it. The creation of the material world is not blind or accidental. The living entities who are ever conditioned or nitya buddha are thus given a chance for liberation under the guidance of his own representative, his meaning Krishna, like Brahma. The Lord instructs Brahma in Vedic knowledge in order to diffuse this knowledge to the conditioned soul. The conditioned souls are forgetful souls in their relationship with the Lord and thus a period of creation and the process of dissemination of Vedic knowledge are necessary activities of the Lord. Lord Brahma has a great responsibility in delivering the conditioned souls and therefore he is very dear to the Lord. Brahma does, also does his duty very perfectly not only by generating the living entities but also by spreading his party for reclaiming the fallen souls. The party is called the Brahma Sampradaya. And any member of this party, to date, is naturally engaged in reclaiming the fallen souls back to Godhead, back home. The Lord is very much anxious to get back his parts and parcels, as stated in the Bhagavad Gita. No one is more dear to, than one who takes the task of reclaiming the fallen souls back to Godhead. There are many renegades from the Brahma Sampradaya whose only business is to make men more forgetful of the Lord and thus entangle them more and more in material existence. Such persons are never dear to the Lord and the Lord sends them deeper into the darkest region of matter so that such envious demons may not be able to know the Supreme Lord. Anyone, however, preaching the mission of the Lord in the line of the Brahma Sambhadaya is always dear to the Lord, and the Lord, being satisfied with such a preacher of the authorized bhakti cult, shakes hand with him in great satisfaction. So Prabhupada shows that this same activity that went on at the beginning, that being pleased with the Lord by his tapa, his penance and austerity, uh, shook hands with him in great satisfaction. Uh, so if we become uh, 
good representatives of Brahma's party. That's our party. We are the Brahma Sampradaya. We are members of Lord Brahma's party, and therefore our business is to engage in that same mission to help Brahma fulfill the purposes of creation. He's our founder of our uh, movement, Brahma Sampradaya. Uh, typically, Prabhupada describes the Brahma Sampradaya as the Sampradaya of the book that its great teachers are all noted for uh, writing and distributing Vedic literature. So this is also our emphasis. We are right following on the party line these so many hundreds of thousands of years by Prabhupada writing so many books and our own efforts to uh, produce them and distribute them everywhere all over the world to reclaim all these fallen souls who are certainly waiting for us to do so because we find out that wherever we go and preach Krishna consciousness, there are people who are interested to hear. There's no question about it. Uh, there's always uh, an audience uh, by the will of the Lord. Uh, so that has to be our business to fulfill. Otherwise, uh, the purpose of creation remains unfulfilled. It just becomes useless. Uh, like a flea circus or something that does nothing. Uh, but the point is that people have to learn who they are, uh, who the Lord is, what their relationship with the Lord is, cultivate that relationship, and go back to Godhead. It says here, Prabhupada, in this interesting reference, refers to renegades from the Brahma Sampradaya, his only business is to make men more forgetful of the Lord. Uh, so that's there also. People who don't uh, fulfill the purposes and instead uh, substitute other purposes and therefore uh, entangle people, other people, further and further. Uh, the Lord being satisfied with a one of preaching the mission of the Lord in the line of the Sampradaya. Any preacher, he says, is dear to the Lord, just like Brahma is. So he says, the Lord being satisfied with such a preacher, the authorized bhakti cult, shakes hands with him in great satisfaction. So that should be our mission, just as Priyavrata is coming to take instructions from Brahma. We also have our instructions from Brahma to engage in this preaching mission. So that means so many things. And we have got instruction how to do this from, from Srila Prabhupada, uh, what it entails, what we need uh, for that purpose of this preaching mission, International Society for Krishna Consciousness, which is known uh, as an institution. I just heard a, one devotee give a paper where he says, you know, we can do without the institution and that uh, Krishna Consciousness is going to spread It'll be without this institution. Uh, but the institution is not an entity in itself, but it provides certain things. A place where people can come for transcendental association. A place for uh, hearing and chanting about the Lord. A place where the Lord is available for darshan. 
being maintained nicely in the deity form uh, is to provide all these services for people. Uh, so this institution cannot be very lightly dismissed as it was desired actually by Lord Brahma. Uh, this is the way for spreading Krishna consciousness. At least the Acharyas, Bhakti Vinod Thakur, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, uh, Srila Prabhupada have all uh, put this effort that such institution has to be there the name and style International Society for Krishna Consciousness so institutions are hard to put together and they are hard to maintain but that's the instruction here's when Lord, Lord uh, Brahma achieved his success by penance And the Lord says this, The beautiful personality of Godhead addressed Lord Brahma. This is after shaking hands with him. O Brahma, impregnated with the Vedas, this Veda Garbha, I am very much pleased with your long accumulated penance, with the desire for creation. Hardly am I pleased with the pseudo-mystics. I wish you good luck. O Brahma, you may ask for me, the giver of all benediction, all that you may desire. You may know that the ultimate benediction, as the result of all penances, is to see me by realization. So he describes this performance of penance. He says, such penance, tapa, is my heart and soul, and therefore penance and I are non-different. He says, I create this cosmos by such penance, I maintain it by the same energy, and I withdraw it all by the same energy. Therefore the potential power is penance only, this tapasya. So Prabhupada says in his purport to this verse, he says, In executing penance, one must be determined to return home back to Godhead and must decide to undergo all types of tribulations for that end, even for material prosperity, name, and fame. One has to undergo severe types of penance. Otherwise, no one can become an important figure in this material world. Why, then, aren't there severe types of penance for the perfection of devotional service? An easygoing life, an attainment of perfection and transcendental realization cannot go together. The Lord is more clever than any living entity. Therefore, he wants to see how painstaking the devotee is in devotional service. The order is received from the Lord, either directly or through the bona fide spiritual master, and to execute that order, however pain painstaking, is the severe type of penance. One who follows the principle rigidly is sure to achieve success in attaining the Lord's mercy. So this is one of these purports where Prabhupada tells us how it is to be done. So he says that, first of all, you cannot expect... Uh, if you're actually a transcendentalist, if we really want to go back home, back to Godhead, we cannot expect to have an easy life. Uh, 
You must be ready to undergo all types of tribulations for that end. You're not ready? Forget it. That's all. Find some, something else to do. But because he says, even for material prosperity, name and fame, one has to undergo types, severe types of fear. And don't they do that? Uh, the highly motivated achievers in the material world, don't they work hard day and night? And so we see that. Uh, so why should you suspect, why should we suspect that if we want to achieve something in spiritual life, that it should be some different thing that all of a sudden... So Prabhupada says, an easygoing life, an attainment of perfection and transcendental realization cannot go together. Uh, so we should know that, that with that, if we want to actually uh, go back home, back to Godhead, uh, we have to accept this, that I'm rejecting an easygoing life. Uh, if I have that desire for an easygoing life, lay back, flow with it, take it easy, don't work too hard, keep a nice balance, etc., etc., whatever I term it, so I don't have to work so hard, um, then we'll not, uh, uh, we'll not attain perfection. And then Prabhupada has this interesting, he says, The Lord is more clever than any living entity, therefore he wants to see how painstaking the devotee is in devotional service. Because more clever than what? Because we may say, yes, yes, I want to go back to home, back to Godhead. Yes, Krishna, I love you. Yes, Srila Prabhupada, I want to follow you order. But he says he wants to see. That's why it's prescribed. Krishna's attitude is, don't just talk. Show me. Once Prabhupada, I remember him saying that, uh, where's the proof that you love Krishna? So this we have seen in, in my experience, how when Prabhupada would come to some temple, there'd be mobs and mobs of devotees jumping up and down and screaming, Jaya Prabhupada. And then when he went away, so do the devotees vanish and go off and do so many nonsensical activities. What is that Jaya Jaya Prabhupada? Where's the proof? So that doesn't fool that one just by jumping up and down and saying Jaya Jaya Prabhupada, that doesn't help. Something more is required. That where's the proof? The meaning of that. That's how much we follow his order and take it to heart. Prabhupada uses this word over and over again. Painstaking. You take pain. That word is in there. Pain. There has to be some uh, austerity. He wants to see how painstaking the devotee is in devotional service. Uh, so that has to be that rendering of testimony to Krishna that I, I'm willing now to sacrifice everything uh, uh, all kinds of comforts the order is received so this is what he means by painstaking the order is received from the Lord either directly or through the bona fide spiritual master and to execute that order however painstaking is a severe type of penance so whatever it takes to do it that I have to do. And the point is, is that there's no obstacle towards successful uh, execution of that order. Because that's also given by the Lord. That if the devotee demonstrates his willingness to do anything, 
then the Lord makes sure that it comes out successful. So the only really, Prabhupada explains this elsewhere, how he himself started this Krishna consciousness movement in a, a helpless way, he says. He started it in a helpless way. But by the grace of the Lord, it has come out successful because he was willing to do just like this, just to do anything necessary, take all pains. And he says, one who follows the principle rigidly, uh, so he uses another unfashionable word, uh, is sure to achieve success in attaining the Lord's mercy. So here is advice from Prabhupada. And we see also he's not just talking, that Prabhupada also did this. So this is how to become full-fledged members of the Brahma Sampradaya, successful members. And as he said, shake hands personally with the Lord. That's Prabhupada's... So we have to do this. We've been given our order uh, by Srila Prabhupada and uh, we have to execute that order and pass that order down into civil succession also so that it goes on, so that the will of the Lord, the will of Brahma and Krishna is uh, satisfied. Uh, so whatever it takes to do that, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, we just have to tolerate. And actually, you have to tolerate the pleasant just as much as you have to tolerate the unpleasant. Uh, uh, and it's just as... Uh, uh, because of something pleasant is coming, that has to be also endured just as one endures the unpleasant. Uh, because if we become attracted by pleasure, it's the same, it's the same damage to the spiritual life as becoming... A, avoiding things because of pain. So both of those things should be inured to whatever pleasure and pains come there on the material or mental platform and just do one's, do our duty. Uh, very rigidly and rigorously with great uh, devotion. So that is the penance that is necessary to achieve the mercy of the Lord. So we should take this instruction to heart and understanding what we have to do, uh, do it, if we want to be serious. Any questions or comments? Yes. It's a mistake to confuse uh, Varnashram Dharma with not doing the needful because if Prabhupada has prescribed Varnashram Dharma, uh, 
as what we have to do. It's a, it's a simple thing. There were certain things done necessary to get this movement started. Now there's another thing that has to be done to keep the movement going. So that means Varnashram Dharma. But if people think, as they seem to in many cases, that Varnashram Dharma means that no longer am I should I be painstaking in following the order of the Lord, then they're finding excuse for sense gratification. They think now my economic development comes first. I have to, instead of sacrificing my energy for the temple or for the movement or for spreading Krishna consciousness, now I have to engage in my economic development. And where is that ever part of Varnashram Dharma? It's always Prabhupada's policy, stated doctrine, that everyone who is engaged in economic development has to give 50% of their income for the propagation of Krishna consciousness. He never said that you sacrifice propagation of Krishna consciousness for your own economic development. Uh, so, uh, by using this uh, Varnashram Dharma, my own psychophysical nature, uh, I should do things according to my own psychophysical nature. That's all right. But at the same time, I should painstakingly follow the order of the spiritual master. That's all. That's a simple thing. Otherwise, when Prabhupada was here, the movement was kind of, kind of a war footing or an emergency footing. Uh, uh, so some, sometimes people have... But now the order is a little different. Now Varnashram Dharma. Now that's for long-term development. The, the very basic things are here. The temples are here. The deities are here. The book production is here. That was done. Uh, now we have to maintain it. So that's a little, but still, that can't mean that can't mean that I, I stop, I get myself disinvolved from the mission of Srila Prabhupada. Then uh, that then that's just using that for sense gratification. Uh, you think that I, now I'm a householder, I'm going to go out and make money. That no longer now I can you know enjoy so many facilities. That's that's never the Prabhupada's order. Some for people, especially for people who attach the results of work, this is very painstaking to make money and then give it away. <laughs> it's really rough. That's even rougher than not having any money. 